0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode one hundred and five. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a lovely holiday. Today is day eight of my vacation, I think. No, it's Friday, so it'd be day seven because I didn't have last Friday off. Uh, yeah, I had a pretty good Thanksgiving. Um, I was a little bit down all day for like random, stupid, pointless reasons, like reading too much internet and shit. And I was kind of like bitter about it because I was like, this is like my favorite holiday of the year. And it's annoying that I'm in a bad mood, and I would mostly snap out of it because it's Thanksgiving, and I love Thanksgiving, and, you know, I had a lot of cooking to do, and I was staying busy, busy. watched Jane in the morning, did breakfast, and then I cooked the whole meal, and then we had the dinner at early, and then, you know, it was a good day, it was great, Then we went for a walk, and... Got the tree out and decorated the tree and all the everything I cooked came out well, the turkey came out well, the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, the beets, the corn, the stewed carrots. I'm probably forgetting something. It was a big meal. Um, yeah, everything went great. And But I was like cranky, like I would read a tweet and then I'd get mad. <laughs> I was like, I need to stop looking at Twitter. Uh, so, and I was like, Oh, I'm in a bad mood. I shouldn't be in a bad mood. Ah. And I was like feeling like I was wasting my vacation because I haven't been super productive because that's the whole point of vacations when you can't go anywhere and you're having a staycation is to relax. And I got a bunch done at the beginning of the vacation, like last weekend, I got another birdies bed or two. And so I finished up like sort of garden prep for the winter, uh, actually, I probably should go water the garden. It, it's weird. Uh, there's still a bunch of lettuce out there and spinach, and it's good. It's doing well, but you know I should probably harvest it soon. Um, but yeah, you know I got all these got these birdies beds assembled and leveled and in place, and I've been working on it for weeks. And I got all the dirt from like, like this year's garden into the birdies beds. That was a lot of work. I got all that done. That was really good. My apple trees came. I don't. I got to figure that out this weekend now. Um, I got two apple trees and two pear trees. I ordered them like in the last. I don't know February. And I, you know, it took like nine months for them to come because everybody's gardening during COVID. They just arrived. I don't know where to plant them. I don't know how to plant them. I don't even know if I want them anymore. My wife is very dubious about the whole thing. So I got to figure that out. Um, So I was doing stuff, you know, I cooked the whole meal. I was watching Jane. We're doing potty training, which is a giant nightmare. But I'm like, oh, I wasted this vacation. And I'm like, Jesus, you're too hard on yourself, man. But, you know, I'm I'm good. It's day 627 of this pandemic quarantine of mine. Uh, Supposedly in four or five, eight days, nine days, nine days, ten days, ten days, nine days, I'm going to New York. So I'm hoping that works out. That'll be really great. I've made a bunch of plans to see Friends and rock shows. And I'm nervous about it because the country isn't getting any better but also the country's not getting any better. So I don't know. When am I going to ever go anywhere? Well, I should wait. I should be waiting until my daughter gets her vaccine. Uh, we made this plan. I made this plan with my wife. Uh, She's not going, but you know, I coordinated with her like three months ago, things are getting steadily better. And we kind of like projected out. And by now, supposedly at the rates, things are getting better. Then it should have been as good now as it was in July, but it's not, everything's leveled off. (laughs) So I don't know. I'm nervous, but I also really desperately need it. So yeah, I don't know what to do about that. We did go see Genesis this week, though, which is kind of a it's kind of a dilemma, right? So I have a very short list of bands I want to see in my life that I haven't seen. Genesis is on that list. Sophilo Collins, right before the pandemic. It was one of the last shows I went to. It was great. Uh, This Genesis show was supposed to happen last year. They postponed over a year and a half, and now they're coming. And I was really hoping they were going to postpone again, but they did not. I can't really blame them. They're old. It's their farewell tour. They clearly want to be done with this. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so they just decided to plow forward. They did the UK and Europe in the summer and some people in the band or crew or something got COVID. So they had postponed a bunch of dates and I was like, maybe they'll just stop and push the whole thing back another year. But they did not. It's one of the shows I'm going to New York for. And so originally when they booked this tour, they booked Charlotte and New York. They did not book Raleigh. So at the time, I was like, well, my wife had expressed some interest, and my mother-in-law had expressed some interest. And I was like, it'll be fun. We could all go. Maybe we'll even bring Jane. This is before the pandemic. And so I bought tickets uh, for all four of us to go to Charlotte. And then, uh, you know... uh, I have a lot of friends that like Genesis, both in Boston and New York, and I decided that I wanted to go. I went to Phil Collins in Brooklyn with some New York friends, and they're all going to Genesis. So I was like, I want to go to Genesis with these people. It'd be really fun. So I bought tickets to that show, too. Of course, thinking, assuming that this pandemic would not be around anymore and it would be fine. This was over a year ago. So now, after all that, they added a rally show and they... So I'm like sitting here. I'm like, well, I don't know, man. Like, I definitely don't want to go to Charlotte now, and my wife doesn't want to go. I mean, she was kind of up for it. We're definitely not taking Jane. Mother well, in law didn't not interested. It seems dumb to go all the way to Raleigh in a two hour drive, or to Charlotte in a two hour drive when there's a show that's closer and cheaper. But on the other hand, if I go to the Raleigh show, does that is that going to remove my desire to go to New York, or or reduce it somewhat? Uh, and that makes me nervous because I really want to go to New York, even though I, you know, well, maybe I can't. So then I'm like, well, that's the next folk side, right? Like, what if I can't go to New York because things get much worse and I didn't go to the rally show and now I never get to see Genesis. So that would be really a bummer too. So we looked at the seating and you could buy tickets in the back of the it's an arena show and you could buy tickets in the top level back of the arena with five rows empty around you. <laughs> So that's what we did. We bought tickets. We wore our masks the whole time. Masks were required, but people, of course, cheat in any public setting because they're terrible and uh but there was nobody within five rows of us (laughs) we had them and our entire row to ourselves in the very back and the next five rows were empty so it was great we kept our masks on we did not get close to anyone the whole time the encore was i can't dance i hate that song and two songs from like the peter gabriel area which everybody says is better but honestly have you watched like 10 minute prog rock songs lately live i love it but You know, they played enough. (laughs) So I was like, we can go before the encore. Um, So we did. So we didn't even see anyone. (laughs) It was awesome. It was like an arena show. We didn't have to see anyone. The sound was really good. PNC Arena, very good sound. Uh, So that was great. I've seen Genesis. I'm very happy. I deeply regret my friend Seth went to the last Genesis tour back in the day. And he was like, you should come with me. He was in Montreal. And I was like, no, and I didn't go. And I just, I regretted it. I've regretted it ever since. So I have atoned for that error. It was a great show. They played everything I wanted except Abacab. And Emma wanted In Too Deep. Those are probably the two biggest hits they didn't play. They played stuff from all eras of the band, except for the very first few albums when Phil Collins wasn't in the band. They played stuff from the Peter Gabriel area, though. So, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was a good drive. Um, it was a good time. And then we took Jane in the car on Wednesday, this Wednesday. We were like, what are we going to eat for dinner? We, should, we shouldn't get like delivery. We shouldn't cook anything. We're going to have this giant meal tomorrow. I don't want leftovers. And I was like, I haven't had Moe's. It's my favorite bad burrito place. I haven't been there in like nine or haven't had one since you last brought me one last year. So I was like, let's all get in the car and drive there. So, you know, like we drove there to South Point, like 30, 40 minutes away, all of us, me, Emma and Jane. Jane likes cars, mostly. She didn't really like this drive too much. Uh, And then I went in and got it. We didn't eat there or anything. Then we just came home and ate it. But it was kind of crazy. Like, the whole family was in a car together for the first time in like two years. (laughs) It was very strange. It was very strange. And then Thanksgiving, yeah. It was great. It was great. The tree's up now. We are listening to Christmas music. Uh, And I'm in a much better mood today. So, yeah, it's cool. Health is good. Uh, I got my... Wigovi, It was really expensive. I'm really annoyed. I could never get the insurance confirmation, but my doctor was willing to prescribe it. So I was off by like 0.2 on the BMI. So I couldn't get it. And uh, I couldn't get the insurance coverage. They weren't going to do it anyway. This, is, this drug is obviously killing the insurance companies, and they're doing everything they can to keep people from getting this amazing drug. So... Uh, I'm not going to start it until after Christmas, though, I think. I definitely wasn't going to start it before Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I'll probably start it on the 26th. I might start it sooner because I'm not sure we're going to have a Christmas feast this year. Usually I make a big Thanksgiving and a big Christmas. Uh, I don't know if I want to do both this year. Like, I'm kind of torn. I was getting kind of a cranky mood yesterday. The meal was great. The people was great. The whole thing was great. So, like, I shouldn't blame that. And, of course, it'd be nice to have an opportunity to do it again and thoroughly enjoy myself. But also, like, maybe I should try something different. I don't know. If I if we decide that, I'm going to start to of talk it over with Emma. If we decide that, then I will go on this drug before that and kick in my diet even sooner. But really, the plan is to start right after Christmas, go on a diet, start taking this drug, start trying to get the weight under control again, and get lose all this pandemic weight. It's going to be very embarrassing if I go to New York because I've gained so much weight, and I'm not looking forward to it, and I'm embarrassed. So hopefully we'll get that fixed. Uh, yeah. And then Jane, potty training, we started because, you know, I have eight days off and, uh, seven days, seven days, eight days, nine days, nine days, right? A week and an extra week and nine days. And we figured, you know, we read a bunch of books and watched some workshop thing. Oh, God, that was, that was rough. But, uh, You know, everybody's like, just you know, you start it, you make a big deal, you do this thing, you tell them it's no more diapers, say goodbye to diapers. She was really into it, and so then we said goodbye to diapers. And the first day was like the way it says in the books; it's going to go. There would be a couple accidents. You say no big deal. She peed her pants twice, and we cleaned it up. It was no big deal. But she and, and she, but you know, she waited till her nighttime diaper. We're not calling it diaper nighttime undies till to poop. And that was fine too, you know, and then the next few days has been great. Like there's no accidents and she won't pee like, let me take her to the potty. She only goes with mom, but that's fine. Uh, but the big problem is she's not pooping. And uh, for three days, she didn't poop at all. And then finally last night, she did a very big poop in the nighttime undies diaper So at least she got the poop out. So it's not like a health emergency, but for three days you're like, oh my God, is this bad? I know. I read over and over again that it's not bad and kids often don't poop for three days, but I was just like, oh my God, it's so terrifying. So now the poop's out, but she's still not pooping in potties. She just says no about it, but she doesn't mind undies and she's into them and she doesn't care that she needs. She's not like whining for a diaper and she, you know, she's using bladder control. She's peeing on the potty and, but it's just like, my God, the poop thing is so stressful. Uh, It's better today, but Man, I've never been happier to see a giant full diaper, let me tell you. <laughs> Other than that, she's good. She's drawing a lot of kitties, a lot of kitties. She just draws kitties everywhere. Mostly Hello Kitty, sometimes Pusheen. She draws flowers and sunshines and rainbows. Uh, it's pretty cool. She's got a little like drawing uh, sketchbook next to my desk, and she draws in it. And it's really, She's very good at it. She's very into math, very into math. We've been learning Roman numerals. Uh, She's very into asking what happens at certain times of the day uh, and reading me the time off of her watch. She's very into asking whether it's warm or not outside. She goes, is it warm out? And you go, yes. And she said, no, it's not. And then she goes, is it warm out? And you go, no. And she goes, no, it's not. And she just will accept no answer. So Emma and I have been coming up with increasingly more surrealist answers. Like, (laughs) is it warm out? It depends on what the birds think. (laughs) (laughs) Or something like that. I haven't tried actually that one. That's a good one. Maybe I'll try that next. But uh, yeah, you know, she's good. The walks are good. Uh, She's quite pleasant most of the time. The no thing is still pretty painful. I'm actually in desperation trying to teach her why. Like she hasn't started the why phase yet. And I'm like, you're going to love the why phase. It's right up your alley. I can tell because you're just asking what happens at all these times and this and that. And you want to be asking why. So we've been trying to teach her why. My wife Emma's been like, no rush for the Y phase. Everybody says it's annoying. I'm like, I really, I had a kid looking forward to the Y phase, and I am done with the no phase. So, bring on the Y phase. So I'm like trying to explain to her why, and she's starting to get it, but not enough that she started asking why. She doesn't realize it's true. <laughs> I was, kind of, I can't believe it. <laughs> uh I was trying to think of the verb form of elocution. Is it elocutive? I don't even know why that word just came to the tip of my tongue. It's true conversational power, we shall say. But uh, (laughs) I'm really excited for the Y phase that I want it to come soon. Work has been good. I've been on a holiday, obviously. Right before the holiday, these assholes at the insurance company, they sent me Oh, this 40 pages of application to fill out. I think I bitched about this already. I'm, I'm so angry. And they're like, fill this out now. And it was like right before. Yeah, because it was the weekend before. That's right. I think I already bitched about this. But they're still doing it. They're still sending me more. Oh, we forgot this application. I'm like, really? It's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I'm not even working today. And I have to go fill this out now. Both Monday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, all three days, I had to end up going doing work, and I'm I'm pretty bitter about it. I'm not going to lie. Like, I could have not looked at the email, but if I hadn't looked at the email, these things would have not happened, and these things needed to happen. Like, obviously, the company can't, like, lose its insurance coverage, you know what I mean? And, like, you know, the auditors finished the SOC audit. I had to, like, sign the, like, just stuff like, oh, there was a new hire, and I had to, like, sign and approve his offer letter. But, you know, it's just like, okay, didn't that. Actually, as I'm saying this, I realized that maybe the reason I feel like I didn't get anything done on my vacation is because I had to work for three days of it. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes sense. But just been a lot of management challenges in the last few weeks. You know, operational stuff that's just hard. And I'm just like a little, I was really looking forward to a recharge vacation, but I ended up working for three days of it. So I guess that's why I'm a little bit annoyed. Yeah, Uh, what else? Gardening, I already talked about. It's going well. I got some plants inside. My little basil section's all set up. I was overwatering it, but I think it's good now. I should probably trim the flowers and water that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just sort of stopped with the gardening. (laughs) That's not true. I started planning for next year. I stopped for this year's gardening. The squirrels somehow got in and ate my fucking snow peas. I'm so pissed. I had a whiskey barrel of snow peas. It was growing amazingly. I've never had good luck with snow peas because I was never planting them deep enough or in deep enough dirt. And I fixed it all in there growing amazingly. So I took chicken wire and I wrapped it around the whole whiskey barrel and I made a cylinder like six feet high of chicken wire. And on the top, I put like one of my cloches, wire cloches, anti squirrel cloches and but somehow I must have left a hole just big enough or they ate through the chicken wire and they ate all the fucking snow peas I'm so mad I love snow peas and it's my third or fourth year of failing to grow them because of these fucking squirrels and everybody else doesn't have squirrels around here and like ah it's maddening man so that really like did me and I was like okay whatever I'm done for this year I will worry about all this next year Anyway, uh, and then on writing, Lisa is about done. She says she'll be done next week with the good morning. Hello. How are you? or first edit. She will give it back to me. I will lay it out and I will write a forward and I will give it back to her and she will do a final edit. And then I will be ready to publish that book probably early next year. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I guess I'm just going to put it up for sale on the email list. And be like, you can buy the book. <laughs> and uh, that's it. And I'll be done. I don't care. I guess I'll put it on the Rick Webb store. And I don't think I'm going to put it in Amazon. I don't think that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I welcome advice on this. What should I do with this book? I've been really focused on just finishing the book. But I'm going to have to do something with it. I guess I should start thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what's been going on. It's been a pretty good week. Uh, I've been playing a lot of my video game, which is quite nice. No Man's Sky. They put out these challenges. I've been working through those. Um, yeah, just hanging out with my daughter. You know, she makes me really happy. It's nice. Sometimes I'm like, like I don't know. I read this like the daring fireball and Tim Sweeney of Epic Games got a little pissing match on Twitter on th- yesterday, and I was annoyed with it, and I was like. I'm just going to, oh, yeah. And then, like, Jane was supposed to stay the night at Grammy's house last night, but we all felt like it wasn't a good idea because of the poop situation. I'm the poop whisperer, so we were like, and then Emma was, but you know, I was looking forward to this night off, and Emma was like, it's fine. I'll do the I'll do the bedtime. And I was like, no, man, it's my turn. And I realized it was, it, you know, it was my turn, and it was nice of Emma to offer because I was disappointed, but it would have been my turn if she wasn't going to Grammy, so I should do it. But really what I realized is I was like, I want to hang out with her. Like she's just this little bundle of oxytocin that like makes me feel better until she starts you know yelling and saying no and stuff like that. But most of the time I just enjoy her company. Like every morning I, we, we get up, we, you know, we did it today. Like I go up there, she wakes up, she gives me a hug. She hands me Brown Bear and Kitty. We open the curtains. We say hi to Grammy's house. We pick up clothes to put on her clothes, put on her watch, go downstairs. and make breakfast and we eat breakfast together. And we ch- chat about stuff. Then we come downstairs and we sit together while she works on math. And I work on my computer. It's just nice. And so I was like, yeah, I'll watch her tonight. And so that was nice; so It was pleasant. They really cheered me up. Uh, media, let's see. Uh, I did do some, you know, I guess I, yeah, interesting. I used to have two different sections here. UHD Blu-rays that I have ripped and put on Plex and then other additions to Plex. But it seems that they've kind of merged into one section. Like when I mentioned the Green Knight and the Black Widow last episode, those are things I bought and ripped from Blu-ray. I didn't pirate. So I guess I've just merged these two sections. But anyway, the other stuff that I've added to Plex this week, I've added uh, the Bergman film, Persona. I added a film from 2017 called Submergence that I got from uh, Netflix, and I don't remember why. From Netflix, com, physical disc delivery, 2007 style. I don't remember why I got it. but it's up there. I haven't watched it yet. Boxing Helena. (laughs) Fantastic film. Uh, (laughs) So that's kind of like, I was looking for this film called the extraordinary adventures of Adele Blanc sec, which is also up there because my friend Og was asking for it. And in doing that, maybe they both, I don't know. It made me think of boxing Helena for some reason. The Sherilyn Finn, Laura Flynn Boyle, Julian Sands amputation fetish film directed by David Lynch's daughter, Jennifer Lynch. Uh, that's up there. I saw that in the theater. Great film, Marfa Girl. Um, Larry Clark film. Been thinking about Larry Clark a lot lately for various reasons. Reason number one is that I uploaded Heart to Heart to Plex, the <laughs> 80s TV show with Robert Wagner and Stephanie Powers. Uh, And that reminded me of the Larry Clark film Another Day in Paradise, which is also my plex, which stars Natasha Gregson Wagner, who is Robert Wagner's daughter. Uh, I saw that in the theater at the Toronto International Film Festival at its uh, world premiere, I think. Uh, And then I was wearing my Folk Implosion shirt the other day. I have a really lovely Folk Implosion shirt that the shirt is hand drawn four covers of four Folk Implosion albums, including the kids soundtrack, Larry Clark film where Full Conclusion did the bulk of the soundtrack, including their biggest hit, One Natural One. I'm the one natural one, take it easy. So yeah, Larry Clark's been on the mind lately. Uh, So I put Marfa Girl up there. I think there was a copy of there, but it was bad, so I got like a better copy from DVD.com. And Dune is up there, which I did get off the internet, in 4K. So it's up there if you want it, because I love that film. Uh, And Heart to Heart and uh, Simon and Simon and 1980s action private investigator series I was quite into as a kid. I feel like I put one other 80s TV series up in Plex this week. Let's take a look and just make sure here. Heart to heart, Simon and Simon. Oh, yeah, no, that's what we didn't. But we put Dark Angel up there, the James Cameron series. (laughs) Because them and I were talking about that. So those are all up there for your Plex enjoyment. On Discogs only sold three things. I sold a steel pole bathtub CD, Bozeman. Uh, Great, great punk band. Andy and I, my friend Andy Shea, who passed away last year, he and I were having a bit of a revisiting renaissance of steel pole bathrobe Bathtub, excuse me, steel, tool, steel pole bathtub last year. I think I talked about him on the podcast a lot in, let's say, April, May of last year, early pandemic. Andy and I were like re listening to all their stuff. Great band. Uh, Friends of Dean Martinez, uh, Place in the Sun album. Friends of Dean Martinez is sort of like desert rock, giant sand related, uh, a little bit of Calexico music. Uh, great band. And then Saint Etienne, Travel Edition, 1990 to 2005, which is sort of their greatest hits album. Those three CDs I sold on Tiscogs. Got a fair amount of vinyl in the mail in the last two weeks. Uh, body de head. I am a member of the Three Lobed Recordings Record Club. I think it's coming to an end soon, but it was a 12 albums across a year plagued with delivery issues with the vinyl, of course, but uh, it's been some great stuff. I've been really happy with it. A Sunburn Hand of the Man record, Six Organs of Admittance record, a Pelt record, just great stuff. And uh, the latest one was Body Dilloway Head. Body Head, of course, is one of Kim Gordon's post-Sonic Youth projects, and Dilloway refers to Aaron Dilloway, who's sort of a noise power electronics guy. He was given some body head recordings and full reign to rework and manipulate them. And that's what this is. It's sort of a remix, re-manipulation of some body head music. Uh Two Dead Can Dance albums on vinyl that I did not have. One was very cheap, Spirit Chaser, and one was not cheap at all, Into the Labyrinth. But now I have all the Dead Can Dance on vinyl, which makes me happy. They're not all first pressing. Spirit Chaser is not a first pressing. Neither is Into the Labyrinth because those two records are very expensive. All the other ones are first pressings because I bought them when they came out or at least when first pressings were affordable in the eighties and nineties. But yeah, so that's cool. I listened to both of those. Uh, I really love into the labyrinth. I had not listened to spirit chaser a whole lot. And actually it's actually really good. I'm into it. I got helium magic city on vinyl. Uh, The last helium album I did not own on vinyl. Helium of course is Mary Timony's band. Mary Timony also in, Oh my gosh. Let's think of Mary Timony's bands. X hex. Was her band with Carrie? No, that's not right. XX is her current band. Her band with Carrie was called, what was that band called? They did really well. I guess we're gonna have to pause and look it up. Wild Flag. That was her band with Carrie from Slederkin. Yes, that's correct. And uh, when I first learned about Mary, We went to college together. uh, She's a little bit older than me. I think she was a year ahead of me at Boston University. But she was already signed to Discord Records. When she got to Boston University, she was in a band called Autoclave before that. So she was obviously the coolest person in the world in my college. (laughs) Um, So I've been really into Mary Timony's various projects for a very long time. Uh, X-Hex is her current one. They are really great. They had an album called rips from twenty fourteen uh I guess she hasn't done anything since twenty fourteen that seems long there's uh some helium reissue since then, and I saw on her instagram that she's currently in the studio, but it does seem uh does, does seem a little yeah looks like it yeah yeah, friend of j c friend of j c dog editor fifteen yeah, it looks like it's been a while. So, new Mary Timony is imminent, which is pretty exciting. Uh, but I bought Magic City, super proggy. I did not like it when it came out because I was not a super proggy guy back then. I'm very much more, much more into prog these days. So, I really liked that album when I re-listened to it the other day. It was pretty great. Uh, then I got Peter Gabriel Passion Music from the Last Temptation of Christ. This has been one of my favorite albums since I was a teenager. I owned it on CD. I bought it the week it came out. I I've always wanted to own it on vinyl, and now I do, and it's awesome, and I'm very happy about it. It's a great record. Uh Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, I was talking about this with my friend Paul on the internet, and it is Peter Gabriel did as much as anybody to sort of popularize quote-unquote world music, and he... Runs Real World Records, which is a quote-unquote uh, world music label, and you know introduced like and Dwar and Nasrathfata Ali Khan and people like that to American and Western audiences, and and um, but you know the the phrase world music is just kind of problematic, and I don't know what you're supposed to call that stuff anymore. And then coincidentally, I was talking about that with Paul and then my friend Sam, who runs Ghostly Records, but also does this mi- mix playlist thing on sundays called herb sundays and he the guest curator of the herb sundays last sunday was the owner of luaka bop records which is the record label founded with david byrne which was also a quote-unquote world music label and he was like we don't really call it that anymore we call it sort of like i can't remember the terms he used but it was sort of like basically just like pop you know (laughs) maybe even like global pop. I I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like there's no real word for that. And it kind of like gives the whole sort of genre a bit of like a distaste, but it's, I mean, like these musicians are amazing and the music is amazing. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a dilemma. I've unresolved in my head that things swirling around, around the concept of world music and Peter Gabriel and Damon Albarn did this too, like ringleaders of these musicians, from foreign countries and introducing them to Western audiences in this fusion of Western and multiple disparate ethnic musics. It's all very odd, but it's also kind of cool, like different musical styles blending together. And who else am I going to hear from? I'm sure people are doing this in Africa and the Middle East and Asia, like mixing disparate styles because the popular person got these people together. But I don't know the popular people this enough to know. So I'm going to hear the ones that David not david peter gabriel and damon al barn bring to me it's, yeah i don't know i don't know anyway moving on uh i got a copy of grievous angel on vinyl grand parsons album that came from vinyl me please it's a great record it's has uh, got love hurts on it and is not the debut but sort of the big break i guess of Lou harris it's some of the earliest stuff she did before she hit it big on her own and uh it's a great record i've always loved it so i'm very excited to finally own a copy on vinyl i bought black cherry by Goldfrapp on vinyl cheap copy off the internet because i was buying something else and uh, they can dance records actually and i never owned it on vinyl so i really wanted it and i love goldfrap i especially love the first two records uh you felt Mountain used to be my favorite but i think black cherry is my favorite these days and i saw that tour and it was just fantastic i think of it all the time especially the song black cherry when the confetti came out across the Paradise Rock Club in Boston, and she was wearing this black World War II style nurse's uniform, and it was an all-black. It was fucking fantastic. Uh Taylor Swift reads Taylor's version. We talked a lot about that album on the last episode, but the vinyl showed up. It was lovely. Four LPs. I'm a little bit bummed. I bought it off her site. It's black vinyl. And then she did a special with Target, and then Target gets the red vinyl, and it was not announced beforehand, and I don't think that's very fair. I would have liked to have the red vinyl. I'm not going to buy it twice. But the interesting thing is buying it from Taylor Swift's site is that uh, I've bought the last two or three. Right? Well, I know I bought Folklore and Evermore and Fearless Taylor's version, all from Taylorswift.com. So I bought this one too. But she has been including sort of like tissue paper stars with the record. So Folklore and Evermore came with gold and silver and white tissue paper stars and hearts. And Fearless came with just gold stars and hearts and tissue paper. And I was like, you know, like they they all kind of look like they came from the same batch. The gold and, and, and the fearless packaging was the same gold tissue paper stars as the ones in Evermore and folklore. So it was a big question of mine. I was like, is she going to change the star color? Is she going to have them at all? And is she going to change them to red? Also, I knew it was going to like a lot of Taylor fans were going to be really into it. So I made a TikTok of my opening of the movie. I got the package and I was like, I made a TikTok of the opening and I I held out evermore and fearless and showed the stars that had come with them because I've saved them. And I was like, will they be red? And I opened the package and they were red. I'm like, yay, it's red. This is the kind of managerial and operational excellence you can expect from the Taylor Swift organization. And I put it up to TikTok and it got 4,000 views. So I feel pretty good about that. (laughs) I knew it would do well. I kind of thought it would do better than that, actually. Like TikTok Taylor Swift. Uh, catnip the week that it came out come on should have done better than that but still I felt pretty good about that it's first tiktok I've ever posted don't know if I'll ever post another one but not bad that's a decent start for my tiktoking life uh I got a copy of Bauhaus's live album press the eject and give me the tape which was a huge album in my childhood I'm gonna say my teenage years I think I got my first copy of that album when I was 17 years old I know every nuance of that live album, like the back of my hand. I owned it on CD. I've never owned it on vinyl. I found an affordable copy on vinyl. So I got that very excited about that. And the same seller had a copy of Cassio tone for the painfully alone's f- f- final album before he changed his name to advanced base, uh, called answering machine music, which I did not have on vinyl, not quite completing my collection. There's one more Cassio tone vinyl out there that I need to get, but that's a great record. I was really into it. Um, Yeah, so that's all the vinyl. And then what else did we listen to? Susanna Hoffs, former lead singer of the Bangles, has an album. So it's called Bright Lights. Uh, The Bright Lights refers to I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight, the Richard and Linda Thompson song, which is one of maybe seven covers on this album. There are some originals, but there are a lot of covers. But I like it. She's got a great voice still. It's Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles. It's interesting. I was into it. Hard Feelings. Self-titled album, Hard Feelings, Synth Dancy. I think this is a Nikki Digital recommendation, and it was great. Very into it. Yes, it was. Along with Taliman, Family of Aliens, which was also great. Uh, Poppy, a little bit more rock, but also, yeah, it was great. Both of those two were really good. I listened to the new Damon Albarn, The Nearer the Fountain, More Pure the Stream Flows. Uh, It was fine. It's not right. It was mellow, which is good, but it wasn't mellow enough for me to purely, profoundly love it, except for one song was, and I really, really liked that. I think it was the last song, but um, I like it when it got even more mellow. This is the kind of thing, like, Damon likes to do some mellow music when he does his solo stuff, and but it's never quite mellow enough, so it all just kind of feels a little mid-tempo-y. But when he got really mellow on it, I was like, yeah, this was really good. Micaiah uh, McCraven. With Naiba Garcia, Ashley Henry, and Daniel Casimir, Universal Beings. This is a recommendation from Graydon Gordian, a friend of mine I was talking to on a Slack group. He's been listening to a lot of sort of Avant Jazz, and he mentioned that some of it got kind of noisy. I'm mildly okay with Avant jazz but, I, jazz, but I'm very into noisy, so I was like, which one got the noisiest? And he said, check out the McRaven Mac- one. So I did. Universal Beings. It was good. It was jazzier than I love, and it wasn't noisy enough, but it was noisy-ish, and the jazz was weird enough that it it was kind of up my, my alley, up my speed. So that was cool. Uh, Acid Mother's Temple, Levitation Sessions Live. Acid Mother's Temple, of course, is a Japanese psych rock freak out band. I've probably seen them live 20 times. I am totally in love with this band. And uh, I yeah, they got a new live album from Levitation Sessions, which is the psych rock uh, live outfit production company from Austin, Texas that does the Levitation festivals uh, as well as some sessions and some live albums. There's also a new Primal Scream live at Levitation album that's out. I haven't got my copy yet, but I actually was at that show. So we'll talk about that in two weeks when the album arrives. But uh, yeah, they also have this Levitation Sessions live Acid Mother's Temple on Spotify. I don't think that got pressed to vinyl, but it's got like a lot of their classic live songs on it. And I love it. I fucking love that band. <laughs> uh, Ada Victoria album is called the Southern Gothic. Um. Hmm. I think I listened to two. I think Carolina bound is another Ada of Victoria album, moody Gothic folk lady. Uh, she was great. Carolina bound, especially. I really liked a lot of those two albums and, uh, yeah, just moody, a little bit Southern Gothic, just like it said, but a little folky, uh, yeah. And Carolina bound. Ooh, so good. So good. I listened to Adele 30. I did not like it as much as everybody else is liking it. Um, it's hard to hard to pin this down like I don't know even Pitchfork was like it's so clever and good I'm like I didn't think it was so clever and good it's fine it was good I guess you know I, I don't know I mean I am a deep connoisseur of depression music and so when, <laughs> when I hear an album of depression music I compare it against the a mental catalog of thousands of albums of depression music across uh, 60, 70 years of history. So it's very hard to like live up to it. And just because you're really popular doesn't mean you're going to make depression music that is up to like stuff. For example, I would say both those Ada Victoria albums were much better than Adele 30, but I guess that's just me. Uh, Perel as an Esther Perel, but it's not Esther Perel. How awesome would it be if Esther Perel had a band? Uh, album is called Hermeticam and it is minimalist electronica. I enjoyed it a decent amount, it's cool. RL Burnside, old folk dude, no, old blues dude. I never really heard of him. I learned about him, I you know, I'd heard of him, I, I knew about him, but I, I like recently put together the whole staggerly, staggerly. Like, I knew about the Grateful Dead version, but I didn't know about RL Burnside doing it, and uh. So I've been listening to, like, him, Well, Well, Well is a live album that I listen to, I listen to a lot of singles and stuff like that, just sort of, like, familiarizing myself with the canon of R.L. Burnside, Uh, Elise True, T-R-O-U-W, she's, like, a YouTube star from a few years back, maybe four or five uh, she she's get like 11, 12 million views on her sort of live loop covers, like the girl from Ipanema and Foo Fighters. I didn't know about any of this, but she had a new one and YouTube recommended it to me. And it was a it was a original song and it was a live loop thing. And I was like, this is pretty cool. She's really talented. This is good. And so I went back and sort of looked, listened to some of the old stuff and her album, which was called Unraveling. And I like it. She's just sort of this like little young prodigy self. I don't think she's self taught. I think Trisha sure had lessons, but she plays drums really well. She plays guitar. She plays piano. She does these live loop things. I was like, I think they're faked. And then I watched her do one in front of a studio audience. I was like, oh, I guess they're not fake. But uh, very talented, very talented. And then I listened to the last Cranes album from two thousand eight called Cranes, which I don't think I had ever listened to, even though I used to love the Cranes. I did not know about this two thousand eight album. I was busy doing other stuff. That was drunk. For most of 2008. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's pretty good. Very minimal. Quiet. Uh, yeah, it was cool. I've always loved the cranes. I've been thinking a lot about them lately. TV, still watching SNL. I think SNL is very good lately. I'm I've been very into it. I'm pro SNL. I was not I've not always been pro SNL. I would not consider myself a connoisseur because I skipped whole decades. Uh And then I started watching in that period where everybody said it was bad. And I was like, oh, man, this is pretty funny. But that's because I skipped like, you know, the 90s and the aughts. Um, But I think it's great right now. I think they got a great cast. Uh, Almost everybody on it. I I really enjoy. So that's great. We're trying to finish Mythbusters. We're in the last season, but it's just like it's hard. I really miss the build team. It's very clear the Discovery Channel is making them do more car and gun stuff. The pace of the show has slowed down because they were only doing two myths per season, per episode now, because I don't have the build team doing two more myths. And we have like eight episodes left and I just want to finish it because there's so much new TV coming out that we got to move on to. But and it's kind of sad because like I Mythbusters has been so great for so like many months now. It's been like our staple and like now it's like feels like work and it's like coloring my past experience. But uh Yeah. So we're almost done. I think by the time I talk to you guys again, we'll be done. I may have said that last time, (laughs) which is an indication of how we are sort of trying, uh, we're kind of avoiding it. But we'll finish. Eight more episodes. Uh, Foundation. We finished Foundation. I really liked it. Reviewers did not. My friend Rex did not. But I thought it was great. And I'm very excited for more. And it finished very strongly. One of the best season finale endings plot twists that I've seen in a very long time. I find it very, very rewarding. What We Do in the Shadows, we're still working on. I think we're more than halfway through. It's great. It's hilarious. That show is not weaker this season. This is the third season, I think, and it's still just really good, which cannot be said for the great, which we're also watching. I loved the first season. I thought it was so good. And this season is making me angry. It's just making me angry. It is manipulative. It is the characters are written inconsistently. I had to stop the episode to yell at the TV for a while yesterday, (laughs) episode five or six. Uh, I don't like the way they're writing it and I'm bored and it's very obvious they're writing to goalposts. They need to get from point A to point B. And when I was young, I mean, I had stopped in this long philosophical conversation about narration and structure and honesty in characters. and characters. I was talking about how when I was young and I'd read writers talk about their writing, they'd say, Oh, you know, I just, uh, the characters go where they have to. And I'm just a vessel and they do what they would me. And I'm like, ah, oh, so that sounds so dumb, but it's true. And when you write characters that are internally inconsistent, it makes me angry. And I can't watch something because like, I'm like, this isn't real when it snaps me out of it like and it bothers me it snaps me out of it more it was funny because after we were watching the great and then had this long conversation we watched hawkeye and as it was starting we paused and i said you know what it snaps me out more in a a obviously fake bullshit biopic like the great but you know a, a show that's nominally real than it does in like the Marvel Cinematic Universe because the one thing that they never do in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is just fuck up their characters motivations I mean they might occasionally make a small misstep but like across you know whatever 20 films and all these series they the characters are themselves and they're consistent and you understand where they're coming from they evolve and change but like that's their motivations you know but like in the great every episode it's just people just change their motivations they don't do things they would have done before. And it's not like knowing, like, it's not like a show about mercurial people that are changing their ways. And it's just bothersome. And I could go into more detail, but if you're watching it, I, you know, I don't really want to like ruin it. And I, it's interesting because Emma looked up the reviews on it. She's like, I wonder if this... She's like, I kind of feel it too a little bit. But I wonder if this season is less well-reviewed than last season. And it's not. Every episode is like a nine-point-something rating. And I'm just like, these people are wrong. This is not good. I mean, it's beautiful. It's immaculately acted. And I think that's part of the problem is like there are characters on there where the actors are so good. It's obvious that like the character should die or be exiled or something, but they're not because they, the actor is so good. And yet it makes me realize that like a lot of shows... I've known this for a while, but a lot of shows just sort of like are bad because characters don't come and go. And it's one thing game of Thrones did really well. Like, obviously it's a production nightmare to have a character that shows up in episode two and then doesn't show up again for 46 episodes or like sporadically frequently enough that they can't just be a one-off guest, but sporadically enough that you can't really have them under contract. It's a production nightmare. I understand that, but like, that's how reality is. And like, When TV isn't like that, it's really frustrating, you know, and some shows can sort of mitigate it by putting everybody on a spaceship or a submarine together and you're all stuck in the same place. So you see the same people every day because you have to because you're on a spaceship together. But like the great isn't like that. These people will be coming and going a lot more. Some more of them will be dying. New people will be showing up. And it's just it bothers me. It bothers me. We're about halfway through the season. (laughs) We're going to finish it because Jillian Anderson shows up in the next episode and she's like Emma's favorite actress. So we'll finish it. But it is very frustrating to me. I'm going to give Jillian like two episodes. And then if I am still this frustrated, I'll just let Emma finish it without me. Uh, And then we watched Hawkeye first episode only last night. Uh, It was good. It was interesting. It was fine. Um, I like Kate Bishop. She's cool. Vera Farmiga seems really good. Uh, So far, so good. You know, like. I don't really care super much about weird humans that have an obsession with shooting arrows, but I like a show where the characters act like themselves and aren't schizophrenic for no reason. I shouldn't have said schizophrenic Uh, mercurial for no reason. It's very, yeah. Anyway, uh, so far so good. It's fun. Movies. (laughs) Oh man. All right. Movies. We're almost done. We're almost done. People. I rewatched The Big Bus from 1976, a screwball comedy, kind of a proto-screwball comedy. In hindsight, everybody compares it to Airplane, and it's not as funny as Airplane. But in its defense, it's three years earlier than Airplane. It is a proto-airplane. It is a spoof of disaster movies, and it's a decent spoof, but Airplane became a better spoof. Same studio, though, so I don't know there would be an airplane without The Big Bus. The reason I rewatched this film is because when I was a kid in Alaska, in Fairbanks, in elementary school, when it got below some temperature, some ungodly, miserable temperature, I think 30 below, maybe it was 20, but it was 20, 30, or even 40 below, Recess would be canceled and it would be indoors. And uh, when Recess was indoors, they would put a movie on. And the two movies I remember, three movies, are Clash of the Titans, which I have rewatched many times since, and I love, Condor Man, which I have yet to rewatch, and The Big Bus, and this movie... It's been going through my head forever, especially the bowling alley in the bus. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I got to rewatch this movie. So I rewatched it. I thought it was going to be terrible and it's not good, but it's not bad. It's got Stockard Channing in it. She's really funny. The the lead guy is really funny. Apparently later on, he was nominated for an Oscar for best screenplay. Um, and he's still acting. My friend Brianna was like, he's still in a bunch of good stuff. but <laughs> I'd never heard of him. And I'm not going to go looking him up because I don't care that much. Uh, but I had Larry Hagman from Dallas in it (laughs) but uh, it had some funny moments it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be so props to that Uh, that is also how I characterize Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage not as bad as I thought they were going to be I love Tom Hardy so when the Venom trailer came out I was like I guess I'll watch it I like Tom Hardy and um, but I didn't and where am I going with this? Oh, yeah. Another good thing about both those movies is they're both so short. They're like 90 minutes. So I would watch like, you know, I watch like new rock stars. I watch all these YouTube channels and like I watch these nerds talk about the MCU because I find it fascinating how obsessed they are. And uh, Spider-Man is kind of in the MCU and kind of not There's some contractual stuff. Sony owns him because Marvel, he's a Marvel character, but Sony sold him off in the movies, but Sony couldn't make movies. They got hacked. They were doing it very poorly. So they, they made a deal with back with Disney and Marvel to bring Spider-Man back into the MCU. These are the, the, the new ones, the Tom Holland films. And, uh, but he's also owned by them and they can do other stuff with him. So Spidey can show up in Avengers and, and they, they can use MCU characters and they split the money, but he also has his own stuff going on and they're trying to make like an, a Spidey verse, which which started with that uh, Miles Morales film into the multiverse into the spider-verse and then the venom films. I did not realize at first it was part of this spider-verse thing, but then apparently I, you know, I was watching these n- new rock stars and stuff on YouTube and the end credit scene of the second venom film is a tie-in to the MCU and Spider-Man. So I was like, okay, all right. And they keep referring to it. And I hadn't watched them and I was like, they're on my plex and, or, you know, not on mine, but friends plexes. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch these. So I watched them both and they're fine. They're good. They're, I mean, They're better than I thought they were going to be. They're kind of funny, and they're short. (laughs) Both films are shorter than Lord of the Rings (laughs) combined, I mean. So, yeah, yeah, I guess I watched those, so that's a thing I did. I'm kind of embarrassed about it. And then, finally, I am still reading The Dawn of Everything, A New History of Humanity by David Graeber and David Wengro. I'm a little over halfway done with this book now, which is literally A New History of Humanity, and it's awesome. Uh, I think I said last week I would talk about it this week, so I don't think I've talked about it at all. Uh, the book kind of starts out by discussing sort of the battle in philosophy between Locke and Rousseau. Like, were we born innocent and modernity corrupted us, or we were we born corrupted and it is only through modernity that we can maintain our nobility? And he's like, yeah, what if there's not? those are both not true? And he, he sort of, they sort of, the authors, David and David, Survey many of the sort of unexplored threads and lost tangents of archaeology and anthropology to slowly build a case that there are different ways of looking at humanity, that the concept of modernity and politics being hand in hand with agriculture and humans graduating from being hunter gatherers into. Political animals simultaneously with agriculture has always been kind of bunk, and uh, it's very interesting, and I'm very, very into it, and it's nice to hear people that are much smarter than you confirm your suspicions that certain theories are kind of bunk, (laughs) and that you're not crazy for thinking maybe those aren't real. Like, maybe I don't need to factor the Garden of Eden and man's fall from innocence into my concept of humanity and history. Thank you, David's. I'm very into it. We'll talk more when I finish it. Um, it's not that hard. You know, it sounds like it could be a hard read, but it's just very interesting. Like, I just got through a whole section about sort of like the indigenous tribes of Western America, North America, prior to the arrival of the Europeans uh, and sort of the division between the... Pacific Northwest and the California tribes and their sort of differences in traditions and how they handle things like slavery, hunting, gathering, fishing, uh, poverty, uh, excess, equality, things like that. And why are these tribes so different? And uh, the concept of schismogenesis and perhaps they like were making political choices to be different because they didn't believe in the things the other tribes were doing versus utility theory that they are this way because they're purely like purely in adaptation to their environment anyway stuff like that it's very interesting and we'll talk more about it but i it's a great book i strongly recommend it if you're looking for a deep read it's sort of like why are we here who are we and where could we be going I think that's about it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you had a lovely holiday. I really missed you guys. I didn't write my daily email this week, so I was kind of missing my friends. So it's been nice to talk and a little bit ramble to you guys about some various stuff. Uh, Hope your holiday was great. Drop a line, say hi, tell me what you're thinking about. And uh, we'll talk again in a couple weeks. Take care.